The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today I'm excited to have with us Stephanie Martin, who's the big cheese over there at the College Living Experience. I'm going to hear all about and learn all about the College Living Experience. Stephanie Martin, welcome to Exploring Different Brains. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Now, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience properly? Uh, okay, I'm Stephanie Martin. I'm the president of College Living Experience. Uh, CLE, College Living Experience, has been around since 1989. Uh, it started in Florida, and we had there was one center, uh, and it has subsequently just grown from there. We now have six centers across the United States, and uh, we serve roughly 200 students a year and um, with a wide variety of unique abilities and uh, variabilities, and um, I'm just really pleased to be here and, and talk a little bit more about college living experience. Well, how did you get into all of that? I've been in special education for about 25 years. Does that date me? Probably. Um, it's okay, I'm all right with it. Uh, I started out as a teacher, uh, working with individuals who had uh, significant emotional disturbances, and then just through that process, worked my way into classrooms that had a wide variety of, stu of students with disabilities and found my way towards working with individuals with autism. And I worked for a company out in California for a long time where we set, where as a behavior analyst and worked in public school classrooms to help teachers find ways and interventions to help students with a lot of different disabilities be more successful in that inclusive setting. So I started that way and then, uh, had a great opportunity to take that experience and open up some early intervention programs across the United States. And from there, I was introduced to college living experience and, uh, and recognized that while we have a lot of supports and services for, for young children and, and on with disabilities, we tend to see those support services really drop off after high school. So for me, this was just a huge opportunity to try and figure out a way that we could expand our supports and services and reach a greater number of individuals. Yes, we have inadvertently in our well-meaning society discriminated against adults. You know, everything is the cute little kids and everything. Well, the little kids turn into adults. Um, here at differentbrains.org, we, uh, we limit our internships to above 18-year-old. Uh, we find uh, agreeing with you that's kind of a, they kind of get the short end of the stick a little bit. So the college living experience, now say someone in our audience is about to make a transition from high school into college, all right? How do they find you? How do they find you ahead of time and might help them choose a college? Um, tell us the process. There's a couple different ways that families uh, find their way to CLE. Uh, I think predominantly is the major way is through the internet and or word of mouth, because you know, the world of disabilities is a pretty tight knit community. And so when one family or one individual has success, then that kind of spreads like wildfire. 
The other way is through education consultants. And education consultants are individuals that help families uh, find colleges for their children. And there are specific education consultants that work with families who have kids with disabilities. And so they're not only looking for a college, but they're making sure that either that college has the, the necessary supports um, and or they're looking for a program that's going to be similar to what College Living Experience is in terms of it having a, a very wide scope of wraparound support so that we're going to look at the whole individual and not just at the academics or the educational uh, focus for uh, those students while they're in the post-secondary setting. So let's say one of our interns is finishing through whatever program they're in in high school. They're thinking of going to college. Um, and they contact you, and their parents contact you, what happens? They typically will speak with our national admissions advisor. Her name is Holly. And Holly will walk the family through not only the process, but ask specific questions that are unique to that particular student. So what are they looking for? What are their interests? What their disability is? What accommodations they might uh, need? Uh, what locations interest them, because obviously there's a lot of different uh, locations and some speak to some students in ways that others don't. Uh, a fair number of them either like to be in the mountains or on the beach. Um, who wouldn't? But, I, you know, and then they, and once that, that initial conversation takes place, then Holly can narrow it down to what center might be a better fit. And then she'll hand that conversation off to what we, uh, to a position that we have, call the director of admissions and outreach. And then that person will bring them the family in and they'll tour them and talk to them about the application process and what, what's included in terms of the necessary documents for applying. Now, if I'm a student with my own varied exceptionalities and I'm in the college living experience program at a university of my choice, and I'm finding it's helping a great deal and I'm getting through it and now I got to start down my career path. What does the college living experience provide for me? Well, two things. Uh, we don't dictate the path for the students. So the student could come in and they could be on an educational path and we're going to support them. However, there are a fair number that come in and just say, hey, college or education is not for me. I really want to look at becoming employed. And so we have those wraparound supports, too, for career development. And we look at, again, assessing the student in terms of what their skill sets are, determining where the interventions or the supports are going to be needed, and then we're going to apply those as it pertains specifically to that student. But CLE has the career development supports that go from pre-readiness skills in terms of uh, getting a job all the way through job coaching. So we're going to walk them through and teach them everything from the basics of how to fill out an application, develop a resume that's unique to a specific job. Uh, we hold workshops with our students to make sure that they understand uh, a lot of the unwritten rules that uh, exist in, a, in a, an employment setting. <laughs> that nobody really talks to you about. We talk about the nonverbal language and, and the nonverbal behavior that could get in the way. We do a lot of soft skill teaching and, and not so much hard skill teaching. The hard skills are what the job can teach you on the job. The soft skills are what really get in the way of a student being 
gainfully employed over a long period of time. And so really working with them on how to accept feedback, how to ask for accommodations, how to make sure that they understand when they need to return from a break and that it's not when they want to, but based on a time frame. And so we really work collaboratively, not just with each individual student, but they work together as well to help them understand some of the rules that may not be well-defined in an employee handbook. Do you run into many problems with the uh, getting along with the roommate kind of situations? Of course. Uh, I, I think that any time that you put two people into a living environment in which they don't know each other, it's going to be a growing experience. And obviously, there are going to be some bumps in the road. But we really work closely with our, our students to make sure that they understand how to navigate that process. And we have supports in place that do that. So every center has a clinical director. And that clinical director will oversee some of that, uh, some of the interactions and the interventions to make sure that they, the students understand how to, how to divvy up the responsibilities of living in an apartment with somebody who's not your family member, uh, how to take responsibility and ownership for what's, what's, for, what's yours, how to voice when your roommate isn't holding up their end of the bargain, but giving them the tools and the opportunities to experience those things in real life is going to make the difference for when they leave CLE because they may not be moving back into their uh, families' homes. We hope they don't, um, but that they may need to have some kind of uh, living in arrangement where they are living with other folks. And so giving them that leg up is really going to help them in the long run. Um, what do you find to be the biggest limiting factor to students as you see it? What do you find is their biggest stumbling block? I'm going to answer that by not answering that. So what I'm going to say is that the students who come to our program and are motivated to want to learn, to understand the full scope of what those supports are going to look like, they, they typically really thrive. So by not answering that, the variable that really impacts our students the most is a lack of motivation and a lack of understanding of how much effort sometimes life takes in order for them to be successful. And so what we really hope that families can do with their children as they're aging up towards that transition point is to make sure that, they're be that they begin to give their children responsibilities, uh, whether that means that they're going to do their own laundry or make their own lunch or even when they're little or tie their own shoes uh, speak their own mind, uh, really having families start to work on the concept of self-determination because we recognize that when a, an individual is, most self, is more self-determined, they have a greater likelihood for success and for thriving in the future. And so it's okay if a student fails and because they're going to learn from that failure and they're going to take that experience and apply it to them to what happens in the future. And what we ask our families to do before they transition is let your child fail because um, they're going to fail in an environment in which they're supported at home. And then when they fail or they hit some significant speed bumps in life while they're at college living experience, they're also going to have that support network, but we're not going to do it for them. We're going to help them understand how to do it differently the next time. Very interesting. And you see, I would have thought the biggest stumbling block 
would be the socialization aspect, you know? Well, it's not to say that it doesn't uh, have a major role. Uh, I think that there are some who are incredibly social and maybe too social. Uh, and then there are others who are incredibly introverted and struggle with that social aspect of it. But what's nice about our centers is that the students create their own community and they're incredibly supportive. They're incredibly uh, forgiving and uh, really understand how to support each other in the ways that are unique to themselves. Not every student is gonna come to us with the same exact uh, set of deficits or strengths and or disabilities. And, and what we see is that they really navigate that pretty well. We support them in that process, but they navigate it really well with each other. And, and you, 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 um, your clientele is, represents a whole spectrum, and I don't just mean autism spectrum. You've got all the different brains in there. Huh. We do. We have all the different brains in there. Uh, we have a young man who uh, has selective mutism. Brilliant. Brilliant individual. Uh, is currently at a community college and will be transferring to a four-year university. And uh, he does communicate through a pad, but it's really remarkable to see all of the other students just thrive around him. And he is probably one of the most well-liked individuals we have. And explain to our audience the terminology. Selective mutism is a situation in which the, the person has the capability of verbal speech but chooses not to speak. Yeah, we have um, we had one intern like that who's doing great in college. We had her here in her senior year in high school and she's really thriving off in college now. And yeah. uh, it, was, uh, it was very interesting. Um, what is the breakdown of different brains, if you will? Uh, personally, I think labels are a lousy way to describe a human being, but I want our audience to recognize that it's, there's all kinds of different brains and the, uh, the college living experience can provide good help and guidance and a navigatable pathway for so many. It's a, you're right. I think that the labels are difficult. They're difficult because they're relatively static in nature and don't necessarily reflect the, the, the unique aspects of each individual. But we serve, uh, I would say, roughly depending on the center, between 60 to 70% of our students are on the spectrum, the autism spectrum. Uh, but we serve individuals who have traumatic brain in injury, cerebral palsy, uh, attention deficit disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, uh, and then anything and everything in the middle. A fair number of our students uh, exhibit and are working with uh, folks to address anxiety uh, and whether that is their primary diagnosis or not, they a fair number of them also have that to deal with. Well, that's why I made anxiety the first chapter in the Asper Tools book, because we all have anxiety and it Absolutely. kind of rules all of us. You know, you were speaking before about the parents needing to start out their youngsters with responsibilities, with tasks to do, with accountability. And uh, when I interviewed our friend uh, Temple Grandin, uh, she makes no bones about it. Get your kid a job. Get your kid a job. The earlier, the better. And uh, um, 
I, w I would like to hear you emphasize again to the p our parents who might be listening to this or watching this or reading the transcription about how you can't do it for the youngster. You've got to let them do it. You do. And, and, and that starts at the youngest age possible. And so what I think families intend, their intention is to make sure that their child is well and safe and that they are free from harm. But by doing that, the, the sheltering of those individuals teaches uh, one specific thing. It teaches that child that if they wait long enough, somebody will do it for them. And, and they have a much better ability to wait adults out than any adult will ever have in waiting them out. So I think it's important for, for us as, as educators to, make, to allow the parent to, to recognize it's okay if their child falls down, you know, um, figuratively. Help them pick themselves up wrap themselves in, 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 in the context of what happened, talk about how they can do it differently the next time, but really giving them the tools to pick themselves up and move forward. And I think that, again, that contradicts the intention of trying to keep your child well and safe and happy. Um, but by keeping a child safe and happy all the time, they're not necessarily being exposed and in, in, in an effortful way to learn the skills necessary for them to become more independent. So give them, give them responsibilities, have them set the table, uh, have them take out the garbage, have them clean their room. You know, you, as an adult or as a parent, you shouldn't have, it, have to be doing it for them. Is there anything we haven't covered, Stephanie, about the college living experience and your efforts that you would like to emphasize? You know, I think the other aspect of what Sealy does because of our wraparound supports is we see a fair number of students who come to us who haven't had those independent living skills developed. And those really tend to get in the way of them being successful. And, and, and some of those are just even understanding how to manage their own household or manage their own things. But what is really pervasive across all domains of support is the executive functioning uh, for our individuals and how those deficits and those strengths can either really play into success or really have them struggle for a longer period of time. And so we build in supports through, we build in intentional supports for executive functioning in all domains of support. So in the academic realm, in the independent living skills, in the social realm, all of that, because regardless of, you, of who you are, we all have deficits in executive functioning. And so really making sure the students understand how to fill in those gaps, but then play upon their strengths in the areas that they have. I think that that would be something that is you, we really intentionally and proactively address. Um, are you utilizing, could you speak a little bit about the utilization of technology in some of these things? Sure. Uh, so. In the colleges, the community colleges, they have their own supports and, and, and the students can access through accommodations, those kinds of things. At CLE, we, uh, we have a fair number of things that we can do. Uh, we are using, obviously, their smartphones uh, for everything from maintaining and holding their schedules 
uh, to alerts and reminders and all of those kinds of things. But we also uh, collaborate with uh, IBM. And uh, IBM has given CLE the opportunity to access uh, a tool online that's called Content Clarifier. And the Content Clarifier allows individuals, regardless if they have a disability or not, to access material in many different ways. And uh, so everything from changing the font to changing the size of the lettering to, re to summarizing, to clarifying, to... Uh, it's just, it's a remarkable tool. And so we use that with our students too in helping them understand not only the gain, the information that they need for comprehension, but also in terms of uh, the language that they use, whether it's an email out to a, an employer or it's an email to a professor, you can run their emails through the content clarifier and it will actually uh, measure emotional tone and so it will in your if you, whatever your passage is, it will actually come up with a graph of whether it's 30% happy, 65% angry. And so it really gives the student the opportunity to understand how some of the language that they might be using is going to be misinterpreted. Uh, and so we can it gives us the opportunity for them to go, oh, I didn't mean it that way. This is what I meant. And they can reformulate the uh, the email or the, the correspondence. So that's something that we're currently uh, using. How can people find out more about you and the college living experience? They can go to our website, which is uh, www.experiencecle.com. And uh, there's a, you can look at every single one of our centers and our locations and the schools that we uh, work alongside with in terms of the community colleges and the universities. Uh, and if uh, they want to get in touch with me personally, my email address is smartin, M-A-R-T-I-N, at experiencecle.com. That's great. Stephanie, it's been wonderful. If we can do anything here at differentbrains.org to help spread the word, we'll be very glad to. Thank you. And keep up the good work you're doing for so many. Thank and, you. I uh, it. Come back and visit us soon. I will. Absolutely. Thank you. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.